What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. All right, Russ, I got to tell you this story about trying not to get stuck in the sand when parking at the beach. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I've I've gotten stuck in the sand before. That's not a fun thing. Well, I, I can tell you, let me just set the picture for you. It's me, Jessica, and our five girls, and we have found the perfect spot on the beach. I'm talking like remote. There's not a lot of people around. And all I have to do is park on the side of this road. And then we're going to be able to unpack our gear and going to have the greatest day, right? I have a big tent. All the girls can can hang out by the water. And all I see is this sand next to the road. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been stuck in the sand, you never want that to happen again, especially when everybody is anticipating a day at the beach. Right. And so I, but I have to parallel park. Uh oh. As you can imagine, you're not a good driver or trying to whiz by. And so you're, you're like, okay, all I got to do, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to back in and I'll pull forward. I can, I can do this. So I'm in a hurry. I, I, I back in and I go to pull forward and all of a sudden, I'm hitting the gas and nothing's nothing is happening. Oh no. And all of a sudden, I, I can just feel my wife's eyeballs looking over at me in like the daggers of, <laughs> are you, I'm, I'm just thinking, I, no way he, he just got us stuck. And in the back, the girls are, dad, are we okay? And immediately I hit the, the driver's seat and I said, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. We're stuck. And. I look over and my wife lovingly, she, she looks over at me. She says, um, Joey, are we in drive? <laughs> no. And immediately I'm like, oh, <laughs> I had stuck it in neutral and we were just spinning, you know, nowhere. We were going nowhere. I was not stuck. We were fine. We made it to the beach. <laughs> it was, uh, it was pure embarrassment and failure on my part, but I'm so glad we weren't stuck. R- relief at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think if if you take anything from Joey's story there is one, um, consult our wives quicker. <laughs> uh, secondly, I feel like sometimes we can get stuck. I'm going to use your, your story there. We can get stuck looking at investments and things only from a pure rate of return standpoint. And today's mm-hmm. podcast is really focused on helping us understand how can I increase my rate of return? And I think you're gonna, we're gonna give you a spin on that a little bit. We will break down three different ways from taxes to using other people's money, as well as using the infinite banking concept, which examples of how people have been able to increase rate of return. But I think hopefully from this story, Joey, everyone would take that we don't have to get stuck in making a decision just based upon that, because sometimes inaction can be our worst thing that we do and being afraid to do something could have you missing out on an amazing opportunity, which is I'm imagining you guys had an amazing opportunity after you realized that you were sitting in neutral, you finally pulled forward, got out of the way of traffic, and then you guys got to spend time on the beach. So uh, without further ado, let's pull our seats up and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, 
increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of fault the guy just didn't sound that cool. Enough about me for a moment. I finally, I finally got my co-host back. The Italian Stallion, and he's got the license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joe Mure. Stallion, it is great to see. Bro, uh, likewise, likewise. I'm just so grateful that you're not on some mountain-capped uh, or snow-capped mountain in Alaska, and you're here with us. I appreciate <laughs> right? you. Like that I, I'm not lost in the wild, right? Like, Yeah, I didn't have to send the search party out for you. Yeah, this is definitely not a River Phoenix moment where I'm going into the wild and staying in Alaska to be eaten by a bear later on in life or something. I That's not who I am. But I'm just grateful to see you. Like, we, we've had two or three in a row where you and I have missed each other. I feel like hey, my little buddy's gone. Withdrawals. Uh, it's called withdrawal, Russ. That's, that's exactly what's happening. All right. Here's what I want to know today. How can I increase my rate of return? And why is that so important? And what is it that you're going to add value to this subject matter today? Man, I, I'll tell you what, the question is more important than the answer, in my opinion. Because what this does is this question comes from a place of ownership. The person who's asking it is saying, how can I increase my rate of return? They're not dictating, they're not abdicating that to somebody else. And that's the first step in Wealth Without Wall Street is you got to realize I'm the one that owns financial stewardship in my family and in my life. And it's not somebody else, it's namely Wall Street. Gotcha. Well, it's a super important question. It's a solid response. I, I like this, man. Coming out hot right out of the gate. You're welcome. All right. Let, let, let me move on. I want to I want to get over here to the retiree of the group. The man that we like to refer to as catch me if you can. And when he's not killing bears with his bare hands. And those aren't grizzly bears because those got big old necks or spear diving for tuna. He's right here dropping gold nuggets, the one and only Mark Haraguchi. Welcome, Mark. Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a different day because it's not our normal day, but uh, dude, always in a great opportunity, especially when we're talking about rate of return. Yeah. Why, why is that so important, you think, Mark? Well, isn't everything about rate of return? I mean, it seems to me like every type of financial, commercial, or financial thing I ever see. There, it's always a pitch about rate of return. And whenever a topic of an investment comes up, invariably one of the, the initial questions that I hear from people is, well, what's the rate of return? You know, what's my rate of return? And I, I actually really like Joey's perspective. I didn't even think about that, which is the putting the onus back on us, the individual, to, to get educated, to get creative, to seek out better ideas so that you can maximize your effort and your time, because I surely don't want to work any harder. Yeah. No. I want to work smarter. Well, well, we see the acronym all the time, ROR, rate of return, or another one similar, ROI, but there's also kind of a spin on the ROI, which can be, to you guys' point, return on information, right? As we as we show up to podcasts like this, we're, we're learning, we're digging in, we're trying to get more insight, we're sharpening our financial IQ, then that allows us to understand what and when is rate of return important? And how can I effectively improve it, right? How can I influence it? I think that's what is going to be excited about today's podcast. We get a chance to dig into that. But first, let me get to the financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I was just only, only, only known him earlier, I'd been so much richer. Said everybody, Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see you, Ern. Nice to be seen, Russ. Happy to be here. Man, I had a conversation recently, very recently, uh, about this rate of return idea. So this is timely for me to participate in this conversation. Glad to be here. Uh, well, give me just a little bit of sneak peek into that. Yeah, you can't, it, you can't leave us on a cliff like that. Come on. Yeah, tell us. Tell, tell me more. I love the cliffhanger. Well, so I was, I, a friend texted me the other day. 
which is a challenge for me to return text messages. <laughs> but that's, that's interesting. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took the I took the bait. Actually, that reminds me, Russ. I I owe you a message back. Thank you for that. <laughs> He sent me sent me this this piece of real estate in Birmingham that was that was going on the market. And he was like, "This looks like it'd be a great rental property." So I was like, "All right." So I, I texted back, "You got me. I'll buy it on that." Uh, you know how much how much do you think it's worth? What do you think it rent for? Uh, and he asked me at some point, "What is a good rate of return on a rental property?" And that gave me just a little bit of pause. I wonder what he's thinking about. And and so I didn't, you know, I just I sent back a a, a professional Mark Haraguchi response. It depends. What <laughs> what is the property? How are we paying for it? How old is it? What good of condition is it? How are you calculating rate of return? Those types of questions back and and then I went to bed. So we we ended that conversation. But that 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 makes me think, man, this is such great time for us to be discussing this this topic. Man, I, I can only imagine Ernie growing up in this day and age, right? Like with the teenagers, everybody's pissed at Ernie. Like, he left me on red. Like Ernie would be constantly <laughs> leaving people on red, right? Meaning they read, he read their text, but didn't respond. Yeah, I, that's, okay. that's, that's, that's the kids, man. That's, that's, that. That's the tea that's being spilled around my house. Oh, I gosh. liked it when I had a limited number of text messages to use every month. <laughs> <laughs> Always a great excuse. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> Only a hundred messages left. <laughs> oh man, that's when you just close down the face of that phone and just move on, right, Er? Yeah, can't can't Flip waste anymore. <laughs> All right, let's let's break down today's topic. I want to put a little safety around this, right? Because I know we can spend a long time meandering, just uh, talking in, in very theoretical terms. But I, let, let's break this down into three areas. I, I feel like th there's ways to increase rate of return, like actually, literally increase rate of return. When we talk about taxes, right? Tax saving, tax strategy. Joey, you and I just got off a two and a half hour session all 100% focused tax strategy. The, the second thing I think that could help improve taxes is when we are using leverage, when we're using other people's money, or as our passive income member, Mark Livingston likes to say, partnering with other people's money. Maybe a better way to think about that. And then the third way that we can increase rate of return, which is one that you know, our mentor, Nelson Nash, talked a lot about in the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, right? Where he broke down the concept of infinite banking and how can that strategy be used in ways to increase rate of return? So let me let me move around the table over here to you, Joey. You're, you're hot. You, you, you've been Thank thinking you. taxes for two and a half hours. How can we use taxes to enhance rate of return? Man, that, that is the worst question you could ask me because right now my, my brain is in, it's just dysfunction right now. Like there's so many possible answers to that that could be super like in the weeds. But I think the big questions or the big things that kind of come to my mind is that using the tax um, code to to its fullest allows you to keep more of the money that you make. In fact, I, I know that there are, are many, many of our clients and folks in our passive income mastermind in particular, um, Mark being one of those people, you, you already mentioned Mark Livingston, but he specifically focused in on some strategies that he was going to invest in that allowed him to have bonus depreciation that then freed up cash he was going to give towards taxes anyway. And it just absolutely brought his financial freedom goals. I mean, years and years ahead. And what I mean by that is when you can take the tax code, use it to your favor or to your benefit, you now can, your rate of return increases on the rest of the cash that you now have to utilize. It's more of a volume play in my mind that it is rate of return, but I could see how those things are related. Okay. You, how you would you say it differently? 
Yeah, you just walked around that a bunch. I don't know. That was more of a political answer. I feel like you should be running for some primary somewhere <laughs> in a state state seat. But we'll, we'll let you sit on that one. I'll come back to that that response in a second. Earn taxes. Tell me, tell me how taxes play into increasing rate of return in your eyes. Yeah. Well, the I think the the real answer is to pay less it less of them. <laughs> more dollars in your pocket, less taxes paid, higher rate of return. And I think structuring, the way that you structure your entities is a baseline of how you do this. And I'll just share something that I learned recently. I don't know why I never thought of this. And it, uh, so I'll ask you guys if you thought about this. If you own rental real estate, you love the ability to refinance and, and pull equity out of properties, which typically isn't subject to taxation. Unless what we've run into just talking with people, owning real estate in an entity and that entity being owned by a holding company that takes an S-corp election. And in that scenario, that equity becomes taxable. That'd be like a fatal error in decreasing your rate of return because you take that equity. And Joey, what you're speaking of a volume play that would strip your ability to, to deploy as many of those dollars as possible into other deals or paying off lenders, whatever you're doing. And so just structuring can have impacts on that. On the S-Corp election, why we would do is great. I love the S-Corp election and coaching business, pay myself a salary, take distributions, and there's advantage to the self-employment tax that, that we face as, as business owners. So come back to it that I think that the answer is pay less in taxes, leave more money in your pocket, increase overall rate of return. All right, Mark, these guys are, are talking great game, but can you give me some specifics? Can you like, give me an example, whether it's you or somebody you've been coaching with over the last month, talk a little bit about how someone is actually using some piece of code in order to create rate of return through tax strategy. Yeah. It's not how much I make, it's how much I can keep. If I came to you guys right now and I said, hey, I've got two deals. One of them has an 8% rate of return and the other one has a 12% rate of return. Which one would you want? Or well, 12. It depends. Right? <laughs> then we go back to Joey's comment in, a, in a, one of our other podcasts about someone who was talking about they were getting a loan and they were super excited on the rate. But what are the terms? Okay. When we're talking about rate of return, gang, don't just get focused on that one number that every, just about every single investment is going to throw on their prospectus page to draw you like a moth to a flame. Right. If, 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 if you look at a piece of real estate, and let's say it only shows like a 7% rate of return. A lot of people will go, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Well, look at this other thing I can do. I can actually lend Russ money and I can make 10%. Wow, my rate of return is 10%. Aren't I doing so much better? Well, not necessarily. Because on the piece of real estate, now not only, okay, so I have a 7% rate of return, but I get to write off my mortgage interest. I get to depreciate the dwelling. I have all the other expenses that I might incur that I get to write off. If I acquire the property, I also get to write off. And again, I'm not a tax professional. This is not tax advice. Please seek a qualified uh, CPA or tax attorney. Um, but I get to write off the, the loan origination fees. So all of a sudden, I'm getting all these other things that don't show up on maybe on that initial piece of paper. So when you're thinking about rate of return, you've got to think broader because just the number that you're getting back isn't necessarily what the rate of return is. And let's face it, maybe you've already maxed out all of your tax advantage as status, right? Maybe you listened to the podcast and you heard Mark Livingston talk about the carbon capture, which could give you a 200% depreciation on active income. What if you've already depreciated all your active income? What if you've already written it all off? Is now all of a sudden doing another deal that gives you another active income write-off the appropriate step for you. Is the return on your investment actually gonna work for you or might it be better to look at a different one? And that's really all we're doing here is when we're looking at rate of return, we're just evaluating. 
but let's keep looking at how can we be even more efficient. If, if you've only got 50 grand to invest, you've got to shop around and figure out what's going to be the best use of that 50 for me. All right. I w- I'm going to make sure I jump in here and play the other side of the coin to say that don't let the tax tail wag the dog, right? Let's don't just focus on tax. I think sometimes people get too focused on what the tax benefit is and miss out on their buy box, right? Like when we talk about the investor DNA, we want to match up the things we're investing in with who we are as investors. There's a lot of great tax strategies out there, a lot of beneficial investments that get lots of advantages from a tax perspective that doesn't match up with my investor DA or your investor DNA. And we just can't follow it just because of that. So like, just like anything, don't get just caught up looking at just one aspect of it and get that shiny object, that excitement, that FOMO going like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this because... No, it, it needs to fit everything else that we're doing. And every one of you talked about it to some degree. I just want to point that out. That's the obvious, but but that sometimes becomes the thing, right? Like we get so caught up. Oh, this one has 200% depreciation against active income, for instance, right? Like that's amazing. Right. And that then is the only thing we focus in on without taking into context, how does this fit within my own personal investor DNA? How does this fit in relationship to all my other opportunities, right? Because maybe I can offset my my ordinary income tax against this asset, but I can't influence this outcome and its return is X. But over here, I have an asset that doesn't give me really any ordinary income tax deductions, but I can earn three times the return and I can influence it even to be greater than that. Well, I mean, hey, which one of those would I be interested in? I'm a, I got to see it in the big picture, right? So back yeah. up a little bit, get a broader stroke. You want to add any well, flavor to we jump before we jump into the next point? Well, I just want to make one just to, to back up your point. Can you imagine uh, Mark Podolsky not flipping land? That, that would be a little bit crazy, right? Like the land geek didn't flip land. That would be a bad idea, right? I can't imagine the earth not being round. <laughs> I mean, but what your what your point is, is how many times has Mark said one of the only things that he doesn't love about the land business is the way it's taxed, right? It's ordinary income. It's a business that he has to pay on. But the problem, but the issue is, is how much more successful is he because he he lines up with this investment as his, at the investor DNA level, the taxes, he can find other strategies, to take care of that. So anyways, I just want to reiterate what you're yeah. saying. No, I, I agree with that hundred percent. All right. So let, let's talk about partnering with other people's money. That's a, that is definitely a strategy to increase leverage. If you're a real estate investor, you know, this like leverage has become your friend. You're, you're looking at doing a real estate deal. Let's just say it's a hundred thousand dollars. And typically you got to put $20,000 in, in order to buy the property. It's going to kick off $300 a month net after the mortgage. But yet, if you could go borrow the $20,000 and have zero money in the deal and your your cash flow goes from $300 a month to, let's just say, $100 a month, what's your rate of return, Mark? You get zero in the deal and it's kicking off $100 a month net after paying everything else. I struggle to quantify infinity. <laughs> That's right. Infinite. It, it, it is in infinite there is no end to its return right and from that perspective right leverage allows for that increase of return now with leverage there becomes potential risk and we have to assess that so ernie let's talk about ways that you see people using or partnering with other people's money in order to enhance return with some of the things that's come across your desks over the last three to six months well, I'll give you one that was a couple of years ago because this one always stands out to me. And and to be honest, Mark's not going to like this. This is going to bleed into our next point. But I was Uh-oh. sitting down with a, a friend who had gotten on the infinite banking process, had had built enough cash value, bought a piece of rental real estate. And first year went by and we sat down and, and he just wanted to go over it. And he's like, hey, is this good? Here's my numbers. And he he showed me his rate of return 
And I said, well, there's a, there's a problem with this. It's not that it's not good. We're just miscalculating because what he had done for the down payment, which was he, what was he, he was calculating into the, into his rate of return was the down payment. He had gone to an insurance company that his life insurance policy was at and had borrowed the money. And so he owed a little bit of interest on that loan. And so we swapped his down payment for the interest paid on the loan that year. And it's significant. I mean, significant is an understatement. It ridiculously increased his rate of return on that property. Small nuance. In a sense, it's the same, same overall impact at the end of that year in terms of the money that's in his pocket back from that piece of real estate. But he knows that he's got the benefit of the life insurance policy continuing the churn away, the death benefit for his bride in case he were to go away. And that, that was just an example of OPM, borrowed money for that deal. I love in two that. years, I haven't found a better example than that. <laughs> I'm going to give you one in a second, but just hang tight. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. How about you there, Stallion? Well, I, I'm going to take it um, to, to take the one of the first things that Ernie was mentioning about on the, on the last point is about borrowing against real estate down the road. So the, you buy a piece of real estate today, you use leverage with an 80% loan and put 20% down, right? It's still a good rate of return in, just in and of itself. Now take into consideration somebody who bought a property just in the last few years and they're sitting on a house that has appreciated in some cases, you know, 50 to 100%, like down at the beach and stuff, it's ridiculous. Their properties are literally two years ago, half the price that they are today. I can go and then leverage from that. I can borrow against that, that property, take all the money that I ever put into it out, and my rate of return has skyrocketed. Was it there at the very beginning whenever I first purchased it? No, it's a, it's a delayed opportunity to increase the rate of return on that investment. Um, not to mention whatever I use with that money on the next investment. So now it has even multiple layers of increasing that rate of return. And again, all this comes from being educated. You don't go into this and just say, oh, I'm just going to try my hand at something and, and just see if it works out. You have these strategies because you've invested in your own education. And I, I don't want to, I want to keep beating this drum probably this whole podcast, but this is about taking control of your financial future. And when you do that, it's amazing how creative you can be and how you can increase your rate of return in all areas of your life. All right, Mark, your turn. Chip in there. Look no further than banks. Banks lend out our money. If you have your money parked in a bank, the bank is clearly using the theory and the practice of other people's money by fractional reserve lending and using your money as the backstop to go and create more money and lend it out. Elon Musk uses other people's money because he has all those stock options and he's able to leverage those stock options as the collateral and then go and take someone else's money and go and do deals. So using other people's money has been done for ages and it is probably the most efficient way to do it because if you're trying to save up all the dollars to go and do the deal, it's going to take you longer to get to that point, And you might miss the boat on when that deal was around. Um, I was just thinking of something else too here is 
as you guys are like evaluating rate of return on stuff, sometimes the rate of return is by not getting into the deal. Mm. <laughs> so if, 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 if you're looking around trying to find OPM, if, and, and so I was doing this with uh, one of my friends, he was looking at a real estate deal. He had that, let's, let's just pick some fictitious numbers. It was a hundred thousand dollar piece of property. He had the 20 grand to roll in on the down payment. The appraisal came back low. So the value of the home was lower. So the bank was willing to lend less money. He had to kick in extra cash to make the deal go. And he asked me, he said, what would you do? And I said, well, well, do you have the money? He's like, yeah, I've, I've got the extra cash. I can kick it in. I said, will it, will it cash flow? He said, yeah, it, it'll cash flow. Even if I put the extra money in, I said, all right, what is the cost of that extra chunk of cash that you're putting in? And he said, well, there is no cost. I said, yeah, there is. He said, no, it, it's, it's cash. I already have it. I'm like, all right, well, what if you took out a policy loan for that? Oh, I said, will it cash flow now? He's like, no. I'm like, hmm, that would give me pause on that deal because now all of a sudden, we all know there's a cost for cash. You're going to have to repay that cash. You should be repaying yourself with interest. If you're not, you're cheating yourself. So now being able to objectively look at deals and value that in, sometimes the rate of return is in not doing the deal. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you have to think of sometimes when Joey and I have made some deals that we should, should have avoided and the rate of return on those deals. So sometimes rate of return comes in when you OPM other people's money, there's other people who've made mistakes. There's other people that are surrounded. I mean, I think that's a beautiful kind of tie into the inner circle, which we're sitting in right now, or our passive income mastermind. The benefit of those two groups is that we get to leverage other people, right? We get to leverage other people's experiences. Their experiences often come at cost, their money, right? So sometimes our our increase in rate of return, as you just said, is maybe us investing money into, um, you know, into a, a mastermind of some sort that then we're about, we're, we're winning from other people's money, meaning their experiences off deals that they've done that can help us avoid making some of the same mistakes. Like right now, anybody in our mastermind wants to do a deal, real estate deal in, uh, in particular in, in Bitcoin, Joey and I can help them save a lot of money. We know how those how that deal is done. It took us a long time to figure that deal out, but now they can leverage our experience to help them to do that. So I, I'm going to give you an, an actual example for me. Uh, I'm going to share it for those who are who are in the inner circle right now watching live. Is not too long ago I bought a I bought a property, and it was an investment home, and I spent. By the way, is it okay if I if I share numbers here? Like, don't don't shame me for my numbers being smaller or bigger than yours. Like, I'm just sharing numbers because I think it's easier to deal in actual facts than hyperbole. Is that is that cool? You guys good with that? So this is not a a thing to for you guys to say. Hey, Russ, you, you, that's a cute home you bought there. Did so you I, hold on? Did before you get started? Did you just say hyperbole? I did. Is that was that the correct correct use of the word? I, I don't even know. I'm just proud of you. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> hey, man, just just trying to expand my vocab, right? <laughs> Keep going. Is that the word of the day? That That's the word of the day. Of the day. That's the word. <laughs> okay. I bought a lake house. And the, the lake house at the time was 900000 I needed to put down 15%. So I, I actually borrowed this $135,000 for the down payment. I, so I, I put none of my cash in the deal. You with me? M monthly payment, let's just ballpark it at 4,000 a month. I had it for 14 months. So I, I roughly had about 56,000 in payments on, on the deal. Now, out of that, I had to pay interest on the 135, which is a little over $10,000 for, for people keeping track at home. Don't because it's just going to get you lost. But for everybody else here, they, they, they can see. So I had roughly about $66,000 in the deal, but now 
because we're talking tax strategy from point number one, how did I enhance return? Well, one, I used the dwelling unit rental strategy that our tax attorneys had helped me set up properly. And I was able to do about 12, 12 different um, rentals from my person to my business at 4,000 a piece, right? So I had about $48,000 that I was able to get the business to pay me without paying any of taxes. So that tax benefit was a little greater than 19,000, okay? So Joey, keeping track with me, roughly what did I have out of pocket? 47,000. 47,000, okay? So that's my out of pocket expense. In 14 months, I sold the property at 1.1 million. Now, don't tell me if I would have kept it two more years, what it'd be worth because I throw <laughs> open right now. Just, just <laughs> super pissed right now. It'd be number, worth access to a lake house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so mad. So, so, so mad. But I, obviously, I didn't get to keep all of that. I had to pay realtor fees and other things. Uh, a part of that, but also part of the 4,000 a month I was paying, I was able to, you know, pay down on the mortgage some. So roughly net, I got somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.4, 1.045. So my total gain, Joey, was about 170,000. Okay. It cost me 47,000. What was my rate of return? I'm sorry. 400 something or other. Yeah. It was silly. I mean, it's dumb, right? That's how using leverage helped me. I mean, I, that wasn't my sole purpose of this investment property, but that it, it definitely helped me, right? I was able to to take 47,000 over time out of my pocket and turn it into 170 grand. And by the way, that 170 grand was not subject to ordinary income tax. It was only subject to capital gains tax. So I did have to pay some tax on that, but I was able to keep a lot more. So there, there's one of those ways in which taxes and using other people's money was able to enhance my rate of return. Now, I, I'm going to use this to, to jump into the third point because the, the third point is using the infinite banking concept. And for you, if you're listening and at home, this never, you've never heard that term. I'll give you really the, the quick and fast to it. Infinite banking is a, a concept that was developed by a man named Nelson Nash and really outlined in a book called Becoming Your Own Banker. It had three basic principles. One is that we're always dealing in borrowed money, right? You finance everything you buy, whether you pay cash and give up interest on your own money or you borrow money from someone else and pay interest. The second principle is that cash has to come from somewhere. So you have to build a storage house for your wealth. And I think the biggest flaw within that point, guys, is that we assume because money typically comes out of bank accounts and goes to bank accounts, that's where wealth is, is stored. And we all know that that's not where banks and large corporations store wealth, is it? No, they store wealth where? In cash life value insurance. life insurance. We see it to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. Just go look up the term BOLI, bank-owned life insurance. You can see that. So what the third principle to the infinite banking concept is that we can actually create that same system by just emulating the large corporations and banks and building our own entities. And here's one of the beauties of that. When we build that system, we can borrow against that money to buy assets. And we can still earn interest on the money that we borrowed. So Joey, the $135,000, where do you think that money was borrowed from? I'm guessing it was from your policies. That's incorrect. Mark, where was that money borrowed from? Uh, from the life insurance company. It's borrowed from the life insurance company, right? They used my cash value as collateral in order to do that. Ernie, did I have to uh, get permission from them to do that? I don't think so. Were they scared of me defaulting on the loan? They certainly were not. Was there any chance that they were going to reduce my line of credit and access to that money? There was not. No, of course there wasn't, right? Because those loans are guaranteed because they're 100% backed by the cash value. But as you all know, every single day over that 14 months, what was happening to the value of my cash value? 
growing. It was growing, right? So I had the money growing in addition to. Now, if we did some fast math, we took uh, 135000 and we said, what was it earning? And let's just say it's 4%. I was earning about $5,400 a year or for simpler terms, $450 a month. So for 14 months, I earn an additional $6,300 on top of what I just showed you a second ago. Did that increase my rate of return? Show enough. Okay. You, you, you try to tell me something that's better than that, Joey. No, it's not. Uh, I think the point that you're making and the simple part of this is that you can build the same system and increase the rate of return on everything that you do in all of life. And it's not any more difficult, right? We're not taking on any more risk. We're not having to be like smarter about anything. We literally just have the same dollars going to the same investment to operate the same way, but it's just getting better every day. Why would you not do that? So, so Mark, have you seen people use the infinite banking concept in order to enhance their rate of return? And if so, how? Uh, yes, Alex, what is yes? <laughs> uh, how haven't we seen it? My, 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 my goodness, we, we've seen just about everything from land to long-term rentals to short-term rentals to, to, even, to even just, you know, some people just wanting to get back control over their finances and, and being able to maneuver and manage that and create that scenario. But really, I, I think the piece that you missed, Russ, you, you, you said, how could the rate of return have been better than, than the thing you just described? And, and my, my, my question to that is, do you like to reinvent the wheel? Yes, yes Russ does. Do. I know. Yes, he does. <laughs> The answer should be no, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You don't want to have to rebuild everything. So think about this, the rate of return of what you're building, the knowledge you're acquiring, the infrastructure you're setting up, the, the system that you are creating for your family, that is going to last beyond your time on God's earth. Hmm. Think about the return on that investment because that's going to transcend to your kids, to your grandkids, and to everybody that they know in all the circles that they inhabit and all of that. So now all of a sudden, your rate of return is not just a number on a piece of paper. You've now transcended from creating financial freedom for yourself and for your family, but you've created generational wealth. And let's hope that just by osmosis and sharing, that's gonna transcend out to others. And we're all gonna lift ourselves out of this vicious cycle that Wall Street loves to keep us in. I love that. Ernie, what are some ways that you've seen infinite banking help accelerate or increase someone's rate of return? Well, I want to come back to what you just shared about your lake house. Okay. And then, and then share in my life, you, you paid capital gains on the, on the, on the, on the profit on that lake house. Correct. Right. Yep. And you shared your insurance policy was growing $450 a month over 14 months, $6,300, right? Correct. So there was, there was growth, gain, profit in the insurance policy. Yeah. Did you pay capital gains or ordinary income on that growth? I did not. You did not. And so you're able to take that full measure of growth and deploy that into something else, right? You're correct. So not only was there enhanced rate of return on the real estate deal because you had the benefit of the insurance policy growing, but you also had 100% use of the growth of that cash along the way of the life insurance policy. So is that one deal using life insurance enhanced every deal you've done since that lake house? It, a, a ton. That, that's, I think that's the point, right? Is how it enhanced the system. I mean, Richard, listening, he in, in our inner circle just mentioned that, talking about selling a property, using that money in order to... Um, benefit his system, grow his system. Well, that's the thing that we are doing, right? Because when we enhance our systems through the growth of that, then it only allows us to make that wheel spin faster. It's it's the whole concept 
uh, of using leverage, using that that over time velocity, so that way we can see that growth happen over time. Awesome. Me too. Every everything that I've done with my system of life insurance policies, as I've leveraged the cash and put it into a few vehicles, a home, real estate, lending into a business, those things. Every time that I do that, I've got the benefit of life insurance policy chugging along, <laughs> which means everything that I do in the future, I've got more ability to do in those things. And that is so exciting. And then with Mark's point, what is that going to look like when that's got a full head of steam 30 years from now? Yeah. What if what if we're able to control this in the family for 300 years? How amazing would that be? Well, that's the, I mean, you know, I, I love the, the, the concept of the flywheel, right? When we, we, we takes a lot of effort to get it in motion and we, we see that with our insurance contracts, but then obviously, right. We're using dividend paying life insurance policies. We're, we're having to, to work to get them off the ground, but every single rotation enhances its speed and efficiency. And I keep, like, to your point, Ernie, 300 years, like can you imagine the effectiveness of this system built for all of our, 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 our generations to come, like they'll, they never have to deal with outside institutions outside of the family banking system. They, they're, they're working in principle number three all the time. They have the system. They understand the system. They understand that principle number one is that we're always dealing in borrowed money. So they're using their system, but they're paying it back because they're wanting that system to continue to grow. Right. They're, emulating the banks that are out there in principle number two, but they've got it. They've built it. And I feel like that's an amazing thing. All right. We have to, we have to jump uh, here shortly. I'm going to let you guys have final thought stallion. My final thought is, is that we talked about a lot of different strategies today to increase the rate of return on whatever you're investing in. The easiest step out of all of these, that is the no brainer that is going to like you don't have to be for like super educated in what sort of investments you're going to invest in. The first place is you have to have the right storage place for wealth, the place where it will increase all these future investments that you're going to make without you even doing anything differently. And that is getting started your own system. The systems we're talking about right now that will be legacies for generations to come. You have the ability to do that today right? Get on a call with one of these coaches, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call and get started on that. It, there's no excuse. And it's the easiest way to increase your rate of return. And then from there, we can get you in the inner circle and help you to be around other investors who are taking the strides to educate themselves. So start where you can and, and get started with your own system. Mark, final thought. Rate of return is more than a number. There are so many other things that go into it. Because if rate of return was just a number, then all you would be focused on is that. You'd forget about all the other things that go into what you're actually trying to do. Because the investment is just a, a stepping stone on the way to your financial freedom. My time is worth way more than any rate of return number. So I'll gladly take a lower quote rate of return if the amount of effort I have to put in is exponentially smaller. Mm. So, cause all of a sudden the return on my time now is exponentially larger. So don't get stuck in just the number. There's a lot more to it. We threw a bunch of things out here, but that's, that's where the inner circle I think is really helpful. Bring these questions, bring these ideas. Hey, I'm evaluating this, this investment. What am I missing? What, what would you guys think? Because more eyes on the same problem is going to help you think about it in different ways and help you better figure out, is this the right opportunity for me? Mm, great point. Earn final thought. When you ask 50 random people in our communities, how do I get a better rate of return? The answer is take more risk. Risk equals reward. I got to take more risk to get a higher return. I got to speculate. But what we're talking about is a, a, a fully developed strategy, taxes, OPM, infinite banking. These are just some of the basics that we can consider 
to help us enhance the return without taking more risk. The solution is, Joey, what you've been, uh, I really like what you've been saying, Joey, to, to take ownership. How can I do this? Is to round yourself out as an investor. Understand it's not just mark the, the number on the prospectus. It's, it's everything that goes behind the deal that makes it better or worse. How can I get a better rate of return? Understand the full picture and play all of those strengths. All right, I'm going to end this with this. Uh, I want to ask you the question. You're, you're running on the treadmill, cooking dinner, driving down the road. What does financial freedom mean to you? Whatever that answer is for you. I want, I want you to picture it. For some people, it's more time, more it's being able to do what I want when I want. It's having enough money. It's not having to worry about making a paycheck. Whatever that answers to you, the, the follow-up question I have for you is, do you have that now? And if not, is rate of return really the obstacle standing in your way? Is that the biggest obstacle standing in your way from achieving that? I think from what you heard today, it's probably not. There's a lot more to it. And I, I want to give you comfort to know that you don't have to figure this out by yourself. Mark, you alluded to it a second ago. We have built a system that you can follow that can help you with that process. And if you go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash free call, one of these coaches can walk you through a simplified plan that you can get on that can help you get closer to becoming financially free. And that's the objective that we have. We want to help you get there. For those who want to get there, we want to help you get there faster. As always, we really appreciate you listening to the show. If you haven't already taken the time, please rate and review it. It's a simple thing, but it's a really important thing. It allows us to beat the big algorithm out there. It allows people to find us and share this with someone else who needs to hear it. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.